Welcome to all those joining us for the Shir in Chaim Aran. We're continuing from where we left off in the section entitled Sichos HaShayochem LaHatoyros, the discussions and the stories that, that revolved around the time that Rabbeinazal gave each Shir. And we're in the middle of paragraph 44. I'm sorry, paragraph 43. Before we begin, we dedicate the learning today, Leilu Nishmas Isur Brebeliohu, whose yard site is tonight, on the 16th of Teves. And also for a complete refuah shalema for all those that need it. At the end of the previous year, we were speaking about chapter 8 in the second half of Likut Imran, which is entitled Tiku Toichacha, and that's the final shear that Rabbeinazal gave on the Rosh Hashanah before he passed away. And we spoke quite a bit about it, but now one additional point that in that chapter in Likut Imran, Rabbeinazal speaks about the new song, the Shir Chodosh Sheyisar Laosid Lovoi, the new song that's going to be initiated in the future. Now, Rabbeinu Sal mentions this, and we know there's a, the, the, I believe it's the Gemara that speaks about a song that will be played on a harp of 72 strings. And this concept of this harp of 72 strings is associated with Hashem's name Yud Kevavke when it's written in this form Yud, Yud Hey, Yud Hey Vav, then Yud Hey Vav, K. That's called Achoyrayim. When we're constantly going back and we, we, we don't go forward before going back to the beginning each time. And if you add up the numerical value of what we just said, Yud, Yud, Hey, Yud, Hey, Vav, it's 72. And this is also, Rabbein refers to this over there as the Shir Poshut Kofel Meshulash Maruba. The Zohar Kodesh speaks about a song that's single, double, triple, quadruple referring to the fact that here the first time it's one letter, Yud, the second time it's two letters, yud Hey, the third time it's three letters, yud Hey vav and then the fourth time it's all four letters, yud Hey vav Hey, which is a total of ten letters corresponding to the ten types of song. There's a tremendous amount of depth written about this in Sifrei Kabbalah, and Rabbeinazal refers to this in Likut Imran. He speaks about this song that's going to be aroused in the future. And also in that chapter in Likut Imran, Rabbeinazal speaks about the voice, the voice of Hashem, which nourishes and waters the garden. This goes back to when Odom and Chave ate from the Eight Sadas, and, and they, they covered themselves, they hid, and then it says that Odom Rishon said, as shamati bagon voira, I heard your voice, Hashem, in the garden, and I was filled with fear. And Rabbeinazal refers to this, Kaviochel, this voice of Hashem that waters and nourishes the garden, in which all wonderful aromas, all reichois and yirois grow. We know that reach means smell, yira means fear or respect. There's a Pasuk about Moshiach where the Pasuk says, Vahorechoi beyiras Hashem. He will have the aroma of fear of Hashem, respect for Hashem. 
And in that chapter in Likudim Ram, Rabbein Sal expounds on the Yira and the Reach, and and these two these two I and and Rabbein Sal mentions the third item, the voice of the Moichiach, a person who is really qualified to give rebuke to give Toichacha. That he speaks about their voice. That when such a person gives Toichacha, not only don't they put the person down or make the person feel rejected, but they infuse the person with a sweet aroma, with a motivation and encouragement to want to come close to Hashem. And in that chapter in Likud Imran, Rabbi Nezal connects all three of these things. This song of the future, the voice of Hashem going through Gan Eden, and the voice of the Moichiach Horoi, the Tzadik who's qualified to give Toichacha. And Rabbi Nezal shows there that this is all related to Moshiach. He's going to be the one, the epitome of this. So Rabbi Nezal writes here that in all of this there are incredible, deep, deep secrets. Very high-level secrets, Rosen de Rosen, that are awesome. We, we, and we find in that chapter in Likudim Ram, Rabbi Nezal said like a prayer where he said, Baruch Hashem, Asherloi, I'm sorry, that when he was speaking about this, he mentioned the Pasuk in Rus, where it says, Blessed is Hashem, that Hashem did not withhold from Klal Yisrael a wonderful Redeemer, a wonderful Goyel. And Rabbi Nachman Shirin writes here that I heard from the movements, from the way Rabbi Nezal spoke at the time, that it was obvious to everybody that Rabbi Nezal himself was giving a praise and thanksgiving to Hashem for the fact that Hashem has given Klal Yisrael someone as special as him, as himself, as Rabbi Nezal, a redeemer who's involved in the tikkun, in the rectification and redemption of all the Jewish souls, and in drawing the spirit of Moshiach into the world during his lifetime by, by revealing these incredible tikkunim that Rabbein Hazal revealed in this chapter on Likud Imran. And on that Rosh Hashanah, Rabbein Hazal also spoke about the special song that will be the Olam Haba, that'll be the bliss of tzaddikim and chassidim in the future world. And that's also related to this new song of the future. We know that every morning in Davning now, before Shemayin Esrei, we say, Shira Chadosha Shibchu Geulam L'Shim Chagod L'Asfasayom. The term Shira Chadosha, it's f- feminine, female, Shira Chadosha. Whereas when the Torah writes about the future, when Mashiach comes, then we're told it's going to be Shir Chodosh. And the Sifrei Kabbalah speak about this, that it's going to be a whole other level. That pretty much closes the topic of this chapter 8 in the second half of Likud Imran. Now we begin paragraph 44 in Chaim Aran, which is related to chapter 50 in the second half of Likud Imran, where there Rabbi Nezal speaks about machshava, about a person's thoughts. There are many people that complain, I can't control what I'm thinking, there's all kinds of thoughts that come into my mind. 
And Rabbi Nezal was very, very strong and adamant in saying that a person's thoughts are in the person's control. And a person can grab hold of their mind and, and move it in whatever direction they want. Just like a horse. A person has a horse and the horse has reins. And by pulling on the reins, you can direct the horse to go right, to go left, to go center. And he said that even when a person's mind goes off into thinking about other things, let's say a person's in the middle of davening Shmon Esrei, and they would love to have concentration, to concentrate on the words that they're saying, and suddenly they realize that their mind veered off, they're thinking about something else, or chas v'shalom, having sinful thoughts, the person definitely has the ability to grab hold of their thoughts and, and direct it back to where he wants it to be. Just like a horse that goes off the path and a person can grab it by the reins and, and control it and be able to put it back on track. Rav Zal says, I believe this is either Rav Zal or Rav Nachman Chirin, parts of Chayim Aran are from him, that I heard from one of Rav Zal's students that Rav Zal was speaking to him about this topic and he clarified it a little bit more. Rav Zal said that Hashem created the human mind to be in motion all the time. It's constantly moving. It doesn't rest like the pendulum of a watch, of a clock, the pendulum that's swinging back and forth, back and forth, and doesn't stop. And even while a person is asleep, the mind is thinking. It's just that what happens is sometimes a person's in such a deep sleep, the sleep is so powerful that they forget, when they wake up, they forget what they were thinking about. But the brain is definitely thinking all the time. And by a person taking control and putting the, their, their brain back in line, the person has the ability to eliminate and overpower any kinds of extraneous thoughts or any kind of sinful thoughts or anything that's causing confusion. And he went on to say that this that it seems to a person that it's difficult or impossible for a person to get rid of these extraneous thoughts and, and hirhurim, it's, it's 100% a lie. It's not true. Because the truth is, a person definitely can control their mind, they can control their thoughts to focus on what they want to. It's just because of the fact that it's a moving target, it's something that's moving all the time, it seems to the person as if they can't get rid of those other thoughts that, that are coming in. But the truth is, if a person wants and if a person works on themselves, they can control this and, and take their mind off those outside thoughts and force it to concentrate on what you want it to. Any questions? The next paragraph, Memhei 45, speaks about a one of the famous chapters in Likutei Moran, chapter 67, in the second half of Likutei Moran, which is a shear that Rabbein Azal gave after the holidays, after Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur Sukkot, 
This is a year before Rabbeinazal passed away. And he gave this shear on Friday night of Shabbos Bereshis, which is the Shabbos after Simchas Torah. Reblevitz of Berdichev had passed away that, the day before on Thursday. Now, Berdichev is maybe a hundred miles, approximately something like that, from, from Breslov, where Rabbeinazal was. And there were no telephones, there was no fax machines, there was no way for anybody in the city of Breslov to know about this. They didn't find out till Monday, several days later. And yet, they saw on Monday, when they heard the news that Rabbi had passed away, they saw how everything about this tzaddik and about his passing away was included in this chapter on Likudaman, this shear that Rabbi Nezal gave Friday night. Rabbi Nezal explains there that when a tzaddik, who is a world leader, passes away, this causes the, the tzaddik is one with the name of Hashem. The, the Gemara and the Medrash tell us, Shmoi Meshutov Bishmenu, that Hashem includes His name in our name. We are called Bnei Yisrael, and the word Yisrael has Hashem's name Kale in it. And so too other examples of this, where when it comes to tzaddikim, we've mentioned Yosef is Bigimatria six times Yudke Vavke. Yaakov is seven times Yudke Vavke. Yitzchak is eight times Yudke Vavke. And there are many, many connections between the names of Tzadikim and the name of Hashem. And, and the, the, the Torah uses this term, Shmoi Meshutov Bishmenu. Hashem partners his name with us especially with the names of tzaddikim. And when a tzaddik passes away, it means kaviochel, it's as if the name of Hashem has been weakened, and this causes people who have the opposite names, who have names of tumah, impurity, and sorcerers, those people who draw on forces of evil, of tumah, to be able to gain power. That's one of the things that Rabbi Nezal mentions in that chapter. And he says, in addition, when a, when a great tzaddik passes away, it results in fires breaking out. Because Rabbi Nezal explains over there, based on the Zohar Kodesh, that there are two opposing forces. There's light and fire. We know that on the first day of creation, Hashem created light. Hashem said, let there be light, and there was light. Now the first day of creation is the first of the seven days, which corresponds to chesed, the first one of the seven attributes of Hashem, which is kindness. Fire was not created by Hashem. The Gemara says in Psachim that on Saturday night, after Shabbos was over, we know that we bring in the Shabbos with light, by a woman lighting candles. That's how we bring in the Shabbos. She makes the bracha, lahadlik ner shel Shabbos. She doesn't mention the word fire, eish, at all. It's only on Moitzoi Shabbos, on Saturday night, then we make the bracha, boirei ma'oirei ho'eish. Blessed is Hashem, who creates the, the 
the lights of fire, Mo'ire Ho'esh. And the Gemara tells us that fire was actually man-made. Odom Arishon, when he saw that the light that Shabbos ended and he needed light, he rubbed sticks or stones together and made fire. And there's a lot of discussion about this in Likuti Alochis, based on this chapter in Likuti Ran, how these two are opposite forces, Oyer and Eish. Oyer is, is a manifestation of Chesed, Chasodim, kindness on the part of Hashem. Eish is a manifestation of Midas Hadin, judgment. Hashem's name, Elokim, which is the name of Hashem for judgment, for Givura, when you write out each letter, the way you pronounce it as a word, Aleph, spelled Aleph Lamed Pei, Lamed, spelled Lamed Mem Dalid, Hashem's name, Elikim B'milui, when you fill it out, is Bigimatria Eish, fire. So Rabbeinu Zal says there in that chapter, in you have these two opposing forces. When the light is strong, the fire is subdued and suppressed and controlled. When the light becomes weak, the fire takes over. We know that Shabbos is all about light. We know that this is why this is such an important mitzvah of a woman bringing in the Shabbos with, with light, with lighting the candles of Shabbos. And the Gemara speaks about if a person only has enough money for one of the two, for candles, for, sh- to, for sh- Friday, Friday evening, or for wine for Kiddush, it's possible that the, 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 the candles are more important because light brings shalom bayis, brings a blessing into the house. When Shabbos ends, when Shabbos leaves and the light leaves, that's when the fire takes over. That's when we make the boire moire hoesh. So Rabbein Azal said that when a, a tzaddik, the tzaddik is referred to as Shabbos, in the Zohar Kodesh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoyzal's students refer to him as, you are the Shabbos, we're the six days of the week. You are the source of all blessing, and we are the ones who receive from you. So Rabbi Nezal said that when a tzaddik of this stature passes away, there's fires that break out. And Rabbi Nezal says, we saw all of this with our eyes, that after Rabbi Berdichev passed away, not far from where we lived, there was a sorcerer that became famous, and people traveled to him from all kinds of distant places, and he was able to effect miracles using these forces of Tumah, these Shemos of Tumah. Not just him, but in other cities also, Rabbi Nosanzal says, there were a number of these sorcerers, people that dealt in sorcery, black magic, those kind of things, that became famous. In addition, that year there were major fires that broke out in Eastern Europe to the point where there wasn't a city, there wasn't, Rav there wasn't a city that didn't have fires several times, multiple times, including in Breslov. There were major fires that year. And we saw how all of Rabbein Azal's Torah is Ruach HaKodesh. It's all foretelling the future, and a person can know what's going to take place by studying those Torahs. An additional point, 
on the Sukkot prior to this, there was a whole major problem, a crisis in the Ukraine, where there weren't esroigim available. We know that esroigim grow generally in a warm climate, in the Middle Eastern countries, in Eretz Yisrael, in Morocco, in places like that. That's where esroigim grow. Whereas in Ukraine, they would have to bring it from other places generally. And there was a tremendous shortage of esroigim, and the people were panicking. They didn't know whether it was going to be esroigim. But Rabbein Azal said at the time, I'm 100% confident in the merit of Rebleviyetz of Berdichev. He is the Pe'er Hadoyer. He's the beauty of the generation. And I'm positive that in his merit, we're going to have Esroigim. Because Esroigim are referred to as Pre-Eitz Hodor, a, a, the fruit of a beautiful tree. This term Hodor is very, very similar in Loshon Kodesh to the term Pe'er. And sure enough, Baruch Hashem, they did have Esroigim. And in that chapter in Likut Imran, Rabbi Nezal also makes reference to this. He quotes a pasuk, Koirei Hadoirois Meroish. Hashem proclaims the generations, all the future generations, from the beginning. From the beginning, Hashem knows exactly all the generations that are going to come in the future. Rabbi Nezal gave another interpretation of this pasuk, Koirei Hadoirois Miloshin Hodor, Hidur. Hashem brings forth the beauty, the Hidur, Meroish, from the Roish Bayis, in the merit of the Tzadik, the great Tzadik, where Zoycha to this Hidur, to the Pre-Etzhodor, to these Esroidim. In the commentary on Likutim Ran, for this chapter, Reb Nachman Shirin goes into much more detail how when Rabbi Nassau said this Torah, he... Afterwards, Rav Nosenzal wrote it over, and when Rav Nosenzal was showing it to Rav Nosenzal, which was again before the news had arrived in Breslov, Rav Nosenzal's eyes were filled with tears, and, and, and Rav Nosenzal couldn't understand it. What, what, what's this all about? And afterwards, when they found out the following week on Monday, there were, there were rumors, slight rumors, that Rebleviyetz passed away, but nobody really knew about it in Breslov until the following Monday. And then Rav Nosenzal realized that Rav Nosenzal had this information already from when Rebleviyetz actually passed away on the Thursday before. And in this Torah, he speaks about a eulogy. He says that Parshas Noyach, that Bereshis is a eulogy for Noyach. He mentions that the word Bereshis contains in it the words Roish Bayis, which is a term that the Zohar Kodesh uses to refer to the Tzaddik, the Tzaddik of the generation. He's called the master, the head of the house. And, and Rabbi Nezal said there that Parshas Noyach begins with the words Eile Toldois Noyach, Noyach Ish Tzaddik. These are the children of Noyach. Noyach was a Tzaddik. And as if just like when we're eulogizing somebody who passed away, they say, look, these are the children, he, this person was a tzaddik, and Rabbi Nezal included in this Torah, he included eulogizing Rabbi of all of these different concepts were all included in this. There's a, there's a hidden story related to this that's not in Chaim Oran, that's not printed in Chaim Oran, it's mentioned in, in other sources that 
in Shomayim, in heaven, every year they need a volunteer. They need a tzaddik to volunteer to serve as a kapora for the generation, an atonement for the generation. In the Gemara Menachas, towards the end, there's a toisvist there that quotes a medrash. And, and the medrash says that when we say in Shmona Esrei, Ve'ishe Yisroel u'sefiloson be'ahavo sekabel barotzoim, in that tefillah, there's a remez to the angel Michoel. The angel Michoel, and the Medrash says, on, on earth there's a Koen Godel. The Koen Godel on earth is Aharon Koen. He's known as the Koen Godel. In heaven there's also a Koen Godel. The angel Michoel is called Kahano Rabba. He is the Koen Godel up in heaven who sacrifices the Neshamois of Tzadikim on a heavenly Mizbeach. And it's brought that the year before Rabbein Rabbe passed away on the 18th of Tishrei, in middle of Sukkot, a year before that, before Rosh Hashanah, in heaven they were looking for a volunteer. Who would volunteer to be the tzaddik to pass away that year, to be an atonement for the generation? And Rabbein was the one who volunteered. He volunteered to be the one. Rabbein was already ill with tuberculosis from two two years before that. And then Rabbein changed his mind. He regretted this. Now you can't, you can't cancel such a thing unless there's a replacement, unless there's somebody who steps in to replace you. And this is where Rablevitz of Bardichev is the one who volunteered to replace Rabbein He passed away approximately a year also in the month of Tishrei, I believe it's the 26th or 27th of Tishrei, and he's the one who replaced Rabbein in this mission, in this Mizbeach, heavenly Mizbeach. Any questions, please? The next chapter in the second half of Likud Imran, Torah Samaches, chapter 68, speaks about the tzaddik, that, it, that a tzaddik in this world who serves Hashem to the best of his ability, even when he leaves the world, he doesn't really leave completely. We know that Dovar HaMelech was mispalel to Hashem. He said, Ogura ba'oholcha oilamim. Hashem, allow me to live in your tent, in worlds, plural, meaning in both worlds, in this world, the physical world, and in the future world. And Rabbi Nezal explains there, based on the Gemara, that a, a, a tzaddik makes sure before they leave the world to leave behind two opinions. One opinion says children, children who will carry on the das, the knowledge of the, the recognition of Hashem that the tzaddik brought to the world, his children will carry on. Another opinion says that it's his students. And Rabbi mentions this concept in another chapter, in chapter 7, towards the beginning of the second half of Likut Imran, one of the major, major Torahs of Likut Imran, but he also mentioned it in chapter 68. And Rabbi Nezal says, that when Rabbein was discussing this, he said 
that there were many great tzaddikim from the time of the Baal Shem Tov, and, and even prior to that, where each one accomplished what they accomplished during their lifetime, but then shortly afterwards, it, it finished. Meaning that they shined their knowledge into their students, they brought people close to Hashem, but afterwards, after the tzaddik passed away, it sort of died down. But Rabbi Nezal said, we need to establish something that will never die down. It'll never stop. It'll continue. That the people we're bringing close to Hashem, they will bring other people close to Hashem, and those people will bring other people close to Hashem at infinite to continue. And Rabbi Nezal says, I heard, I had heard previously from Rabbi Nezal that the people he was bringing close to Hashem, he wanted very much that those people should continue. They should take the teachings, the knowledge that Rabbi Nezal gave over and pass it on to their friends and their students. And each and every person is required to do something about this. Because the way Rabbein Azal explained it, a tzaddik is compared to a tree. And a tree has branches, and from those branches branch out other branches, and so on and so forth. And so too the tzaddik, in bringing Hashem's light to the world, he wants to pass it on to branches, to students, and those students should branch out and make other branches. And Rabbein Azal adds here, we know the famous statement that Rabbein Azal made, Mein tluin My fire will continue to burn until Moshiach comes. And then he points out that the way this discussion began was that Rabbein Azal says, My friend Rabbein Naftali Zal and one of Rabbein Azal's sons-in-law, Rabbi Yuska, and I were standing in a room, in an outer room, and Rabbi Nassau came out from his room into that outer, outer room, and he started talking to his son-in-law. And he said to his son-in-law, Rabbi Yuska, I heard that you were learning today. And then he went on to reprimand him a little bit with love, that he has to be serious about his learning. And he said, it's, it's wonderful when a person first starts the day learning Torah, and then they go out to the marketplace to, to conduct business. And he went on to say, Rabbi Nezal said, I also learn. And the way I learn is, is extraordinary. And Rabbi Nezal began to say, I have the ability to learn. I have the ability to take the most advanced, learned people and be able to show them that they haven't even started learning yet. They don't know anything yet. And I also have the ability to show people who are very distant from Hashem, to be able to show them that they're really close to Hashem and they're really connected to the Torah. And from that conversation, Rabbi Nezal went into the discussion that resulted in this chapter, chapter 68 in Likut Yemaran. And he spoke about the concept of a, a son and a student. And Rabbi Nezal goes on to show there that these represent two different levels because of the fact that a son actually comes from the seed of the father, which originates in the brain, <clears throat> the son has a better chance, usually, 
of achieving a higher level knowledge, a higher level closeness to his father than a student has to his rabbi. And it's brought, this is one of the reasons why Moshe Rabbeinu wanted very much that his sons should be the ones to lead Klal Yisrael after him, because he had hoped the son represents, son, S-O-N, represents the higher level, and the student represents a lower level. But Hashem told him that Yoshua is the one, Yoshua, who was the student, is the one who sacrificed everything to, to be loyal, devoted to Moshe Rabbeinu all the time, and therefore he definitely was the one who deserved to take over. But in these two chapters, in Likud Imran, chapter 7 and 68, in the second half of Likud Imran, Rabbeinu Zal goes into a, an elaborate, deep discussion on this topic of people on a higher level and a lower level, the Ben and the Talmud. And Rabbeinu Zal gives all kinds of sources throughout the Gemara and other places showing the unique specialness of each one of these. And in that chapter, he also mentioned that we find, the, the Gemara tells us, that the angels, the angels in heaven, we say this in, in Keser, in Musaf, on Shabbos, we say, Hashem's servants, referring to the angels, ask each other, Where is Hashem? Now we know that the angels are generally, we assume they're much closer to Hashem than we are. Why are they saying, where is Hashem? Don't they see Hashem even much more clearly than we do? And Rabbein Azal used this to show that those who are on a high level, those who are very advanced, that tzaddik has to be able to show them, you're very advanced, you still have a long, long way to go. Compared to what I know, compared to what Moshe Rabbeinu knew, compared to what Rabbeinu Zal knew, he was able to show the, the great minds that they don't know anything, they still have a long way to go. Whereas those people that are far from Hashem, to them that Sadiq delivers the message, Meloi Chol Ha'oretz Kevoidoi. The entire world, not just the entire world, but Oretz means earth and earthliness. All of earthliness is filled with the kavod of Hashem, with Hashem's glory. The angels are saying, Where is Hashem's kavod? We don't see anything. And to the people on a very low level, the tzaddik shows them that Hashem fills all of the lowest places. Hashem's presence fills all of those places. I'm just giving a hint of what's discussed in these chapters and also especially in the famous chapter Aye, which is chapter 12 in the second half of Likut Imran. And here, Rav Nosanzal adds a short prayer. He says, Ashrei Hashor Vohorega, blessed is the hour and the moment that we were zoichar to hear these incredible things from Rabbeinazal. If we came to the world just to hear this, it was enough. And the truth is, we could say this about each and every Torah that we heard from Rabbein Azal. And he, he adds, how can I possibly thank Hashem for the incredible privilege that I had of getting to hear these incredible Torahs from Rabbein Azal? 
Any questions, please? Continuing, paragraph, this was chapter, this was paragraph 46. Now we move on to paragraph 47 in Chaim Aran. Chapter 71 in the second half of Likud Imran, which is entitled Chavolim Nofluli Baneimim. In that chapter in Likud Imran, Rabbi Nezal speaks about two different types of knowledge. There's a type of knowledge of Torah where people sweeten each other with their knowledge. They share their knowledge, they discuss things, and each one complements the other. Each one adds and embellishes, they add and embellish to each other with a sweetness, with complete peace. That's called noyam or neimim. And there's another type of knowledge which is called choivlim, battle controversy, conflict, constant arguing. And the Gemara says that the rabbis of Eretz Yisrael were known as these ne'imim, this noyam ho'elyon. They sweetened each other in halacha. Much less conflict and controversy and arguments. Whereas the rabbis outside of Eretz Yisrael, there there's constant machloikis, we know that we have the Talmud Bavli and the Talmud Yerushalmi. In the Talmud Bavli, every page is arguments, every Mishnah is different opinions, conflicting opinions. In the Yerushalmi, there's much less argument. There are, there are differences, but the, the Gemara says it's a, it's a different type of argument. I remember hearing from my Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld that in heaven... There are many yeshivas, and two of the top yeshivas in heaven, one of them is called Mesifta de Rakia, and the second, the other one is called Mesifta Ilo'o. Mesifta de Rakia means the yeshiva, the heavenly yeshiva. Mesifta Ilo'o means the upper yeshiva. The Mesifta de Rakia, there the Rosh Yeshiva is the angel Matat. We don't pronounce the full name of that angel, Matat, and then the word Roin. Putting those two words together, that's the name of this angel. He is the Rosh Yeshiva of the Mesifta de Rakia, and in that Yeshiva, there is this concept of Kosher, Pasal, Tomei, Tohor, Osur, Mutur. There is the, the, this, these arguments, these differences. Whereas the Mesifta Ilah, the highest level yeshiva in heaven, there Hashem himself, Kaviochel, is the Rosh Yeshiva, and there there's none of this conflict. There it's pure oneness. So in this chapter of the Kutimran, Rabbi Nezal speaks about the Moichen of Eretz Yisrael versus the Moichen of Chutzlaretz. And Rabbi Nezal says there that based on this, you would think that there wouldn't be any arguments in Eretz Yisrael. He's saying this during his time, 200 years ago. And he says, why is it that we see that there are arguments? There are, even among the tzaddikim, there are arguments. Rav Zal says, this shir was given on the night of Shabbos Shira, when we read Parshas B'Shalach. And it was related to a discussion at the meal, at the Friday night meal. There was a lot of talk about the major machlekes 
among the leading rabbis in Eretz Yisrael at that time about the monies that were being collected outside of Eretz Yisrael and sent to Eretz Yisrael to support the Jewish communities that lived in Eretz Yisrael at the time. One rabbi said that this is the way it should be, and another rabbi said, no, it, should be, it shouldn't be that way. And Rabbi Nezal pointed out that there were issues of COVID involved here. Some of it had to do with people feeling that I deserve the one, I'm the, I'm the greater one, the money should be coming to me for distribution. And Rabbi Nezal pointed out there was controversy in Chutz Loretz about this, and there was controversy in Eretz Yisroel, major machloikis. And Rabbi Nezal had visited Eretz Yisroel not long before that, and he had met with Rabbi Avram Kalisker, who was one of the major leaders who was involved in this controversy, Rabbi Avram Kalisker, the Balatanya, and, and other rabbis. So there was a lot of talk about this at the meal that Friday night. And then Rabbi Nassau opened up and he gave this shir in Likut Imran, where he explains that there's the Moichen of Eretz Yisrael and there's the Moichen of Chutz Loretz. And the main machloikis, the main place of conflict and controversy, is in Chutz Loretz. But Rabbi Nassau said there that just like during the time of the Mabul, the flood, we're told that the Mabel, the waters of the Mabel, didn't go into Eretz Yisroel officially, but there were droplets that splashed in Eretz Yisroel. Rabbi Nezal goes on to explain over there, he explains the whole process, how sometimes it's possible for this Machlekes in Chutzloretz to spill over and affect Eretz Yisroel. In that chapter in the Kutumran, Rabbi Nezal also speaks a lot about the concept of kavod, honor, respect, and our person has to see to it that all the kavod should be directed to Hashem. And he also speaks about the difference between the tzedakah of Eretz Yisrael. It's terrible. He also speaks about the tzedakah of Eretz Yisrael versus the tzedakah of Chutzloretz. All of this is included in that chapter on Likut Imran, which is an incredible, incredible shir, and there's about five or six chapters of Likut Alochais expounding on it, really taking it to a whole other level of clarity. Any questions, please? Can I ask a question about um, the onion that you spoke about before, about the sun and the palmer? Yes. Could it be that a person is in, falls into both categories, the sun and the Talmud? Definitely. Or is it either one? No, no. In that chapter on Likud Imran, one of the highlights is Rabbi Nezal elaborates tremendously on showing that the sun is also a student. We know the Torah says, Vishinantam Levonecha. The relationship between a father and a child is the father supposed to teach the child. Vishinantam Levonecha. And a student is also a son. The Gemara says, ben A person who teaches his friend's child Torah, it's as if the teacher gave birth to that child. So Rabbi Nezal shows there that the Ben has to be Talmud and the Talmud has to be Ben. And he explains 
how each one has to share some of the qualities, each one has to have some of the qualities and qualifications of the other one. But obviously the perfection is when the actual son is also the actual student, the closest student, that's, that's the, the top of the top in a sense. We find by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoizal, his two closest students were his son Rabbi Elazar and his student Rabbi Abba. And throughout the Zohar Kodesh, we see a tremendous amount of interaction, especially with these two, <coughs> Rabbi Elazar and Rabbi Abba. And, and in the Idra, when, when Rabbi Shemar Echoizal gave certain special shiurim, he told his son, he told each person where to sit, and he told Rabbi Elazar to sit right beside him, and Rabbi Abba sat behind him. Rabbi Abba is the one who actually wrote the Zohar HaKodesh. He's the one who actually wrote the Shurim of Rabbi Shem of Arichoizal. And the, the Zohar HaKodesh and the Gemara tell us that he was such an incredible tzaddik, he lived for 400 years. He was a Tana in the Gemara, Rabbi Abba, the student of Rabbi Shem of Arichoizal. And after Rabbi Shem Arichoizal passed away, he went to Bavel, and he was one of the leading, top leading rabbis in Bavel who's called Rav throughout the Gemara. Rav and Shmuel, Rav is this Rebbe Abba. And again, there were certain cases, we find the certain dynasties where a rabbi passes away and he gives over the leadership to his son. But we know that that's not always the case. We see by Moshe Rabbeinu that wasn't the case, by Viarizal that wasn't the case, Reb Chaim Vitalzal, and in many other instances. Anyone else, please? Just one more thing for clarification. Sorry. You were saying about that the the Rebbe could show a person, a son or a Talmud, his madrega sometimes, that he's very close to Hashem, and sometimes that he didn't even start. So in that aspect, could a person fall into both categories at the same time? The answer is yes. Not, not necessarily at the same moment, but meaning even people who are on a very high level experience ups and downs. And when he's up, when he's flying high, that Sadiq has to be able to show him that there's much higher. Otherwise, he'll get arrogant. Otherwise, he'll relax. <clears throat> and when he's down, when he's in a Yerida, he also requires encouragement. He requires chizuk. He requires that message of Meloi Cholorets Kevoidoi. And the same thing is true about the student or the person on a low level. There are times when that person is advancing and advancing, and then that Sadik has to be able to show him even then that still a long way to go. But when he's feeling low, when he's feeling down, then the, the message has to be chizok, tremendous encouragement. And this is one of the things that's stressed tremendously throughout Rabbeinazal's teachings. I, I give an example sometimes. You have students in a class. You have t very, very fabulous students with good, great minds and very good, and one of these students gets a 97 on a test or a 98 on a test. And the teacher tells the student, I can tell by your mark that you didn't study because I know you. This test was not a difficult test. You, you could have gotten 110. If you would have studied a little, you would have gotten 110. You got the reason why you made this mistake is because you didn't study, right? And the student will smile and admit it. It's true. And then another student will get a 40 on the same test, and the teacher will go over and congratulate him and tell him, 
I'm, I'm so I'm so happy. I, I see that you're really trying. I know this is the first time that you're willing to take a test. And look how, Baruch Hashem, look how you knew there were parts that you knew of. There were parts you didn't know, I understand. You're, you're, you're starting out, but I, I see a clear indication of, of potential here, tremendous potential. This is this concept of knowing when to give chizuk, when to give his oirus. Chizuk means encouragement. His oirus means motivation, like telling a person, you could do much better, that kind of thing. And, and Rab Nelson Zalni Kutelachas uh, compares this to the Poraduma. We know that the Poraduma, the ashes of the Poraduma, were used to purify somebody who was very impure, a person who came into contact with a dead body, where the tuma, the impurity, is so strong it takes seven days for it to go away, and it requires spr- sprinkling of the ashes of the Poraduma twice, and it requires going into the mikveh afterwards, and it requires waiting till the next morning, all kinds of so it's brought that the person who has these ashes sprinkled on them, they become purified in the process. The one who's involved in the process, processing it, becomes tame in the process. And and person would say, it doesn't make any sense. How could this same thing make him pure and make and, and make him... And Rabbi Nassim says, this is this concept of chizuk and isoyrus. When somebody's doing really well, and you tell them, wow, you're so good, you're the best, you're great, you're wonderful, you could, you could kill the person with that kind of compliments because the, the person feels they, they have no reason to try, to tr- to try anymore. They're, they, they've, they're finished, they're complete, they're 100%. And at the same time, when a person's in a weak state and, and you tell the person, you should have done better, you could have done better, you Again, you're killing that person. That person needs words of encouragement. That person needs to be shown that the little effort that they're making is so special in the eyes of Hashem. And, and Rabbi Nezal's writings and Rabbi Nezal's writings are full of both of these, Chizuk and Isoyrus. It's written that on a general level, Rabbi Nezal was more towards the side of Isoyrus and Rabbi Nezal was more the side of his chaskus, tremendous giving, tremendous encouragement. And again, we see in both of their sforim that each one, Rabbein has both and Rabbein has both. So there's definitely overlap in these two. Anyone else? The next paragraph, paragraph 48 in Chaim Oran, speaks about chapter 72 in the second half of Likud Imran, which is entitled Chaim Nitzchien, Eternal Life. Also one of the famous chapters in Likud Imran. And Rav Nosanzal writes that this Torah was given on Parshas Yisroi, the Parsha after B'Shalach. And there was a tzaddik, one of the famous tzaddikim at that time, who came to Rabbeinazal for Shabbos, and Rabbeinazal didn't speak. Friday night, Rabbeinazal didn't speak at all, and Shabbos morning at the meal, he didn't speak. No Divrei Torah, which was unusual. And Rabbeinazal writes that when the day meal was finished, and we had already said, we already benched, we already said Birka Samozayim, and we were about to leave the table, as is customary, after Birka Samozayim, 
Rabbeinazal remained seated. So we also remained seated. And this tzaddik that was there at the time also remained seated at the time. And that's when Rabbeinazal began by saying that when a person sees a tzaddik, even if they don't hear any words of Torah from him, just seeing the tzaddik alone is very special. And a person receives greatness just by seeing the tzaddik. And he, he included in this, in this the, the Pasuk in the Torah in Parshas Yisroi, where Moshe Rabbeinu at first is leading Klau Yisroel by himself, alone. And people are coming to him all day with questions and things, and he's handling it. And his father-in-law Yisroel is watching this, and he tells him, there's no way in the world you're going to be able to continue like this. You have to develop a hierarchy. You have to develop other leaders, leaders of thousands, leaders of hundreds, leaders of fifties, leaders of ten. Otherwise, you're going to collapse. You're and Yisroi says to him there, V'ato secheze mikol ha'om an you, you will look out into the entire nation and choose from them powerful people, people who are qualified to be leaders. But he begins with those words, V'ato secheze, you will look. And Rabbi Nassau in that chapter expounds how when the tzaddik is looking at people, he's infusing them with this godless. And this chapter on Likut Imran is, tr- goes into tremendous depth and detail regarding this topic. So Rabbi Nassau went into this whole chapter, <clears throat> and then in the middle he said, look at this. I, in, in, I started off by saying that even when you don't hear any Torah, it's still good, and I'm saying this whole Torah. And Rav Nassau writes that he continued, he continued to explain this whole chapter on Likut Imran, which is several pages. And Rav Nassau points out that there are many chapters on Likut Imran, just about all of them, that were, were given over miraculously, where it looked just about like Rav Nassau was not going to give that shear, and there was always a question whether he will or won't, and Hashem, in His wondrous ways and with His infinite kindness, had pity on us, where we were zeichet to hear all of these incredible divrei Torah, which were put into writing in the Sfarim. And Rabbi Nassau once said that every single dvar Torah that he says publicly, all the different worlds, the upper worlds and the lower worlds, are connected to it and are, de- are dependent on it. Any questions? The next paragraph, Memtes, speaks about chapter 78 in, in Likut Imran, the second half. And that's where Rabbi Nezal made that famous statement of Ein Shum Yiyush Bo'olam Klal, that, that a person is never allowed to give up hope, no matter what. And in Yiddish, Rabbi Nezal said, Metornish Miyayishzayin. A person is not allowed to give up hope. And then he said, Gewald, Zaytach Nish Miyayish. Gewald, in Yiddish, is like a scream. When a person screams at the top of their lungs, don't give up, don't quit. And Rabbi Nezal writes that when Rabbi Nezal said that word, Gewald, 
he said it very, very slowly, like a person who's warning and, and stressing, crying out from the depths of his heart, delivering this message to the people who were there, and for generations to come, how important it would be for people to hear this. We know this is one of the famous statements in Breslov, and there are songs made out of it. Rabbeinu Tsaak Bekoil Godol. Rabbeinu Zal screamed with a very loud scream, Ein Shum Yiyush Ba'olam Klal, that there's no such thing as giving up. And there are many stories in Breslov related to this, to this, this, this incredible famous statement. In, in my own life, we had a situation where one of my children, the years were going by and, and they weren't getting married. And my wife was on spilkes, as they say, on pins and needles, anxiously waiting. And somebody once made a comment to her that there are people that don't get married, so don't... And the person said it, they didn't realize that they were taking a knife, a sword, and putting it right through their heart, saying those words. That was the last thing in the world that she needed to hear. And shortly afterwards was Purim. And it was a Purim, I think, that came out on Friday. And very often it spills over into Shabbos. And we, we were both in shul that Friday night. And the dancing continued, the, the lively spirit of Purim continued in the shul Friday night. And the people started singing this song, Rabbeinu Tzoak Bekoil Godol, Ein Shum Yiyush, Ein Shum Yiyush. And, and the whole shul was on fire with this song. And my wife mentioned afterwards she was listening to this, and she said that they're, they're singing this for me. This is, they're, they're telling me that there's no such thing in the world as giving up. And Baruch Hashem, that child is happily married with children. Baruch Hashem, Shem should help that all of us no matter what we're going through, should accept this incredible, incredible encouragement that Rabbi Nezal said, there's no such thing as giving up. And to persist, anything good that we're trying to accomplish, anything good that we want to do, to persist, not to quit, and to be zeichet, to see what we're all really waiting for, to see the final geula with the coming of Moshiach, the binyan beis amitosh, b'mhe Rabbi Amenu, amen v'amen. Amen.